to share this is what God has done in my life this is where I've been see I think it's beautiful because because of what God has done there's something that all of us have to say now here's the thing for all of us because we're still here that testimony is still being written right you're in the middle chapters as we like to say here but what God has done in your life should move you to be able to share at least a little bit about what God has done in your life If Jesus is the center of your life, you have a testimony. It may not involve a radical lifestyle shift or a life and death situation, but what you have to share is important, and it isn't finished. In today's message, Pastor Daniel will be encouraging you to share what Jesus has done in your life right now. It's true that some people won't receive it well, but God has always been by your side, so don't be afraid to tell of His goodness and mercy. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Romans chapter 8 as he begins his message, Have Your Questions Answered. So everybody has questions. Questions are a normal part of life. I mean, if you think about it right now, all of us have uh, certain questions that just kind of rattle around in our minds, like, you know, because we live here in the Pacific Northwest, people are still wondering why at the end of Super Bowl 49 did the Seahawks throw a pass on the goal line and not hand it off to Marshawn Lynch. It's like, it was 20, you know, it was 2015 was a million years ago, but some of you are like, man, like, why? Like, why do we do it? Some questions are just like that. Or a question that uh, I just had a conversation with our youngest, Annabelle. Now, Annabelle, you know, she's five. We like to call her a command woman. Because she's a command woman. It's like Annabelle's like a strong, she's, she's, she's a, she's a modern person. You know what I mean? She knows what she wants. And so she got into Lynn's car after, uh, preschool one day and she got in, she was really kind of, hmm, like really in a mood. And she's like, you know, she was talking about one of her, her buddies from nursery school said, so and so said that I'm yucky, but I'm not yucky, mom. I just pick my nose. So Lynn's like rolling on the ground. And so she calls me and she lets me know this story. So sure enough, as a dad, like, I don't want to let this moment pass by. So I get home and I say, so Annabelle, what happened today? And she's like, dad, why can't I pick my nose? And I said to her, I said, you know, because I don't want her to get married. I'm like, you can pick your nose all you want, girlfriend. Pick away, you know. Because, you know, it's like her little buddy, like, he's, he's all thinking she's all cute and stuff, so she can pick away, man, like, you know, like, she's got time. But I guess an important question, like, why can't you pick your nose when you're five years old in, in nursery school? Anybody have an answer to that? Of course you don't. There's no answer to that. That's why there's holes there. You stick your fingers in it. <laughs> At least that's my take on it. So you dads of little girls, you want no one ever talk to your little girl, just teach her how to pick her nose, you know what I mean? <laughs> And I even said to Lynn, I'm like, did she eat it after it? Like, like, like how, where are we going with this, you know? There you go. You're welcome. <laughs> Questions are normal, though. But you know what's amazing, though? You know, I like to say this to people, and many of you here have heard this from me, because when we have questions, I always say, listen, God's not scared of your questions, and neither are we. 
Because oftentimes, like, you can love the Lord, you can believe in Jesus, and still have a ton of questions. You know, and I think, unfortunately, we live in a day and age where in some circles within the people of God or the church, like, your questions are not welcome. You know, but what I've learned in my life is that every time I have a question, that question is actually an invitation from God to go deeper. The Bible says that if any of us lack wisdom, let us ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach. The idea is that when we don't understand something or we want further revelation or clarity on something, those questions actually lead you into that. I mean, think about if you want to get to know somebody, you ask them questions. Like, tell me this about you. And, and, and those, for some reason, people have this tendency to think that if I have questions about who God is or what God is doing, right? That like somehow that makes us like deficient as believers. But really what I'm always learning is that it's actually how I grow. When I came to know Jesus at 21, I would always consider myself a skeptical person. Like I was always the kid growing up, but why? But why? Right? I was that annoying guy, you know? But why? But what I've found out is that God actually loves those questions. You know, if you're reading through the Bible with us here at Crossroads, there's all sorts of things. I'm like, but why? Like, how does that work? Why is that like that? But what I can tell you is that God, being God, doesn't always answer our questions. And that's very challenging to us. You know, sometimes God chooses not to answer certain questions. Now, for some people, that's pretty off-putting. But really what God is always after is that we learn how to trust him. And on certain things that we don't have the answer for, then it becomes, am I going to trust God? The other problem that we have, of course, when we have questions for the Lord, is sometimes God answers our questions in ways that we do not feel is satisfactory for us. Now, that's always a big problem, isn't it? Because when you think about, God did not give me an answer that I am okay with, really what you're saying is that you're God and he's not. Right, And so that becomes a big problem as well when we don't get the answers in the way that we want. But what I will tell you is that when we have questions, you can bring them to the Lord. And God's word tends to a lot of those questions for us. And I don't want you to ever feel, and I was just talking to someone about this recently. They said, we landed at Crossroads because finally we felt like there's a place that we can have questions and 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 no one's scared of us because we have questions. And I'm like, listen, we all have questions. But what you find in the scriptures is that when you bring your questions to the Lord, you can have your questions answered in a lot of amazing ways. So in order to get at this today, I want you to open up in your Bibles to the book of Romans, chapter 8, verses 31 to 36. Romans 8, verses 31 to 36. So if you brought your Bible with you to church today, awesome. I want you to open that thing up. If you didn't, I want you to start bringing your Bible with you to church. There's nothing more countercultural than bringing your Bible with you. You know what I mean? It's like, I, I, I love being a rebel that way. It's like, no, no one wants to have a Bible. I'll bring my Bible with me. You know what I mean? So, so bring your Bible. If you didn't bring your Bible to church, you can turn on your Bible. Just open up your smartphone, turn that thing on, open up your favorite browser window. You can put in the, the text there, Romans 8, verses 31 to 36. The reason I'm talking about questions is the Apostle Paul has been dropping so much wisdom on us all the way through the book of Romans. And Romans 8 is so full of stuff. And then as we're nearing the end of Romans chapter 8, he shoots off a series of seven questions. Because of all these said, he drops all these questions that are invitations into the life that we have in Christ. And so look what it says, Romans chapter 8, verse 31. It says, what shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? 
He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Now, if we put these questions in context, a few verses before what we read in verse 29, we see God's plan unpacked for us. Really what we see that whom God foreknew, these he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son and whom he predestined, those he called, whom he called are those who he justified and whom he justified are those who are glorified. Right. And remember, we looked at that and we saw that God's plan is perfect. And because of the perfect plan of God, you and I have hope in this world. But even though God's plan is perfect, the Apostle Paul follows it up with a bunch of questions. Right. And what is it really what I want to do today is I want us to be able just to see these seven questions and in some ways ask ourselves these questions. Right. How, what does this mean for us? So, you notice the first question in verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? And I'll say it this way. What shall we say? Because of what God has done, what shall we say to these things? Now, here's the thing that's amazing. What do you say about these things? See, God has done a work in each one of our lives, no matter where we are today. Right? God has done a work. But the thing is, is we have to be comfortable in articulating the story of what God has done in our lives. See, Crossroads is, you know, we're a really big church. And if you don't believe it, I mean, you know, here at this service, the sanctuary is full of people. And if you hang out here over three services, you see so many people. And then there's people online and there's people like half the people aren't here today. And they'll be back next week. And you have all these things going on. But for each person... There is a story of how the work of Jesus has interacted with your life. We call this our testimony. And one of the things that I love so much about the Crossroads family is that in a church like Crossroads, everyone has a different journey that they've been on. Like, I love it when I meet people here who they've always known the Lord. Grew up in a home where mom and dad loved the Lord. You prayed together, read the word together. And along the way, God did an intimate personal work in you apart from your parents. And it's your faith. And that's one testimony. Others of us, it's like there are people here right now who you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus, but you're here. And along, Lord willing, even today, you're going to surrender your life to Jesus and you're going to allow him to forgive you your sins. There are people here who have drug and alcohol background. A background in incarceration. And there's other people who've never touched the stuff and never saw the inside of a jail before, right? There are people here who every plan that they made worked perfectly. And then there are others of us who every plan that you made fell apart perfectly, right? But in the end of the day, no matter what your story is, our job is to share, this is what God has done in my life. Do you realize that you have a testimony? That if you're here today and you're in Christ, God has done a work in you. 
You know, there's an old saying that a testimony is when you tell the story of your life with Jesus at the center. You know, oftentimes when you think of a testimony, it's somebody who had a real sordid past and they're up and really what they're doing is they're bragging about how evil they were. But that actually doesn't give Jesus any glory, the fact that we were, you know, hooligans and heathens. What gives Jesus glory is that he can take anybody and touch their life. But here's the question for you. Have you gotten comfortable with your story? With what Jesus has done in your life? When somebody, when you talk to someone, are you comfortable to share, this is what God has done in my life. This is where I've been. See, I think it's beautiful because because of what God has done, there's something that all of us have to say. Now, here's the thing for all of us, because we're still here, that testimony is still being written, right? You're in the middle chapters, as we like to say here. But what God has done in your life should move you to be able to share at least a little bit about what God has done in your life. Now, I realize that at different points in our life, we feel more and less comfortable to talk about certain things. But what I want to tell you is that every single one of us have a testimony. And each one of us has a voice. And God wants you to use your voice. Now, each one of us gets to speak in different contexts, different spheres of influence. But the key is for all of us, are you willing to use your voice to say, this is the story of what God has done in my life. This is the way he's worked in my life. Because I'm here to tell you, whom the Lord foreknew, these he also predestined to be made more like Jesus, to be conformed, to be like Christ. And whom he predestined, God called. And whom he called, God justified. And whom God justifies, he intends to glorify. And that is each one of us in Christ. So what will you say? What do you say about who the Lord is and what he's done? So the first question, what shall we say? And then again, if we continue on in verse 31, if God is for us, who can be against us? So that's the second question. I would say it this way. Who can be against us? Now, this is a powerful question. And if we read the rest of the chapter, we read part of it and we're going to finish it in a subsequent message. But really what you find is that all sorts of things can be against you. But the reason he can say this is because although all sorts of things can be against us, because God is for us, nobody will be truly victorious except for Jesus. How cool is that? That there'll be all sorts of issues in life, all sorts of things will happen, but because God is for us, who can be against us? Now, this is what we do. I want you to turn to the person next to you and say, God is for you. Okay, now here's the thing. I made you say that to each other, Right? But do you really believe that? Because sometimes we say these things, but we really don't believe it. Like, we want to believe it. We say, well, maybe for Fusco, God is for him. But like, you don't know what my story is, right? Or you're looking at all the things that are against you right now, all the struggles that are in front of you, very real struggles. And you're saying, but listen, all these struggles are in front of me. But really what it's saying here is that even though we have a million struggles and a million things can be against us, God is for us, and that takes priority over all of the other struggles. Because look at what it says next in verse 32. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. Do you know how you know that although things might be against you, God is for you? Because God delivered up his own son for us. See, the grounding of this promise is the cross. Really what he's saying here is the cross is so powerful 
That it helps us to frame our entire lives. I always say that I want to see my life through the lens of the cross. I want to interpret the world that I live in. I want my heart to be cruciform shaped. I see everything through the lens of God's perfect plan to deliver his son up for my sins. Because really what he's saying is that, look, if God will do that, then you can trust no matter what's coming against you. Because God is for you, you already have the victory. It's one thing to watch a game and to not know the outcome. It's another thing to know the outcome and then watch the game. Do you realize that you and I, we live our lives and we battle from a place of victory, not from a, I hope that we're victorious. Can you imagine how that would change things? If you realize, because God gave Jesus for me, even though all these things are against me, I know that God's for me. And all these things that are against me, all of these things, God has them. In his hands. Now here's the thing. We had said it and I read it to you. If we know that God is for us. And these things are against us. What is the purpose of the things that are against us? To conform us to make us more like Jesus. That's how God uses these things. The things that come against us. The struggles that we have. The situations that we find ourselves in that are not pleasant. Really what God is doing is, is he leverages those things to Make us more like Jesus. Now, I know what I've learned about myself, and I think I'm just like everybody. I really do want to be like Jesus, except I don't want to be there when it's happening. Like, I want to be changed, and I want to be transformed, except when I'm in the situation where I have to be transformed, and then I really would rather not want to be there. Listen, aren't you like that too? You're like, God, I want to be so patient. And then you get put in a situation where you have to wait and you realize that you are the least patient person in the world, right? Like, God, I just want to be, I know the fruit of the spirit is being patient. And then you're, you're late for work and you run into the coffee shop and there's a line out the door. And you're like, I should have ordered ahead. Why didn't I order ahead? Why don't they have an order ahead? Why is everybody ordering 97 drinks, right? And you're super mad about it. Right? Or you say to yourself, you know, God, you have forgiven me and I want to be made more like Jesus. And then God puts you in a situation where perish the thought. You have to forgive somebody. And you're like, I will not forgive them. You do not know what they did to me. You do not know how that feels. And the Lord's like, hey, listen, this might be coming against you, but I said you got to forgive. If I've forgiven you, you got to pay that forward. If you understand my forgiveness. Or, of course, if you read the Gospels and you realize when Jesus was falsely accused, did Jesus defend himself? No. Right? Sure enough, you think someone mistook what you said and you get all on the offensive. Right? Making sure that they know where you're coming from. And the Lord is just like, when I was accused, I didn't even open my mouth. See how hard it is? See, when things come against us, God is saying, look, I can transform this to make you more like Jesus if you'll let me. But for most of us in that moment, the last thing we want is to become like Jesus, right? We want to take up arms and make sure that everyone realizes that you're wrong and I'm right. But when you do that, you short circuit exactly what God is doing. Because brothers and sisters, we live our lives from a place of victory, not just hoping for victory. So if God is for you, what's really against you? Everything that happens, God 
leverages, transforms to make us more like Jesus, which is who we really want to be like. Now, I took verse 32 and I related it to the last question, the second question in verse 31. But now look what happens when I take verse 32 and I relate it to the question at the end of verse 32. Look what it says. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? I'd say the third question this way. Can God be this good? Can God be this good? You know what he's saying? He's saying, look, if God sent Jesus, delivered him up, didn't withhold him, gave him for my sins, how shall God also not with Jesus also give me everything else that I need to be sanctified? See, here's the thing. Do you really believe that God is as good as he really is? Do you believe he's that good? See, Paul is saying, if God will give Jesus to die on a cross for me as a rebel, for you as somebody who's rebelled against God, if God would give him who is the most value to God, Jesus himself, for you, then how will God not give you all the other things that you might need on this journey of life to be grown up, to be transformed? This is called an argument from the greater to the lesser. If God will give you Jesus... And that's who you really need than all the other things you need. Why wouldn't God give you that? If he's going to give you his own son, why wouldn't he give you everything else as well? So you know what I believe? I believe that for many of us, we have forgotten how good God really is. Do you realize that God is the personification of all things that are truly good? Goodness is a fruit of the spirit. God is good all the time. And all the time, what? God is good. But do we really believe that? Do you know what happens? I think what happens is that for many of us, we come to know Jesus and we realize how good God is. But then we spend enough time in the body of Christ and we be, kind of become like spiritually entitled brats. Right? Where we begin to think that God owes us something. And it reminds me of the story. Remember that story that Jesus tells in the temple where there is a tax collector and there's a Pharisee? And the tax collector in the presence of God is beating his breast and saying, Lord, have mercy upon me, a sinner. And the Pharisee is like, yeah, I'm just happy I'm not like that dude over there. And Jesus said, which one of these guys goes away justified? Jesus is In today's message, Pastor Daniel reminded you that it's okay to have questions, even questions about God. These are opportunities to dig deeper into your relationship with your Heavenly Father and draw close to Him, even when the answers don't fully satisfy you. Pastor Daniel asked questions today that were meant to remind you that your God is good and is for you. What do you have to say about that? Hey everybody, Pastor Daniel here. Thanks for joining me on Jesus' Real Radio. I realize that not all of you who listen are followers of Jesus, but I actually believe that there are many of you right now as you've been listening, you're saying, I want to put my faith and trust in Jesus. I want his death and resurrection to be applied to my life. And if that's you, I want you to pray this prayer with me, which is just saying thank you to Jesus for saving you. Let's go ahead. Repeat this prayer after me. Say, Jesus, I give you my life. Thank you for saving me. I believe in you, your life, your death on the cross, and your resurrection. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. If you just prayed that prayer, I'm so stoked for you. And I want to get some more resources in your hands to help you continue this journey. So pull out your mobile phone. 
text the word SAVED, S-A-V-E-D, to 51400-51400, and we'll get some resources into your hands. Now, don't go anywhere. Some folks from my team want to share some amazing things with you. Thanks, Daniel. Again, if you just prayed that prayer with Pastor Daniel, take out your cell phone and text the word SAVED, S-A-V-E-D, to 51400. We'd love to get some resources into your hands, and the Crossroads team wants to connect with you. Make sure to tune in again as Pastor Daniel asks you an important question. Do you really believe that God is for you? You know, you could say these words. They sound noble and courageous, after all. But are they fueling your interactions with people who aren't looking out for you, who seem to be coming against you, against everything you believe in? Pastor Daniel will reassure you that your Creator is indeed with you in every situation. There's more to come from Pastor Daniel's series called The Secret Sauce. Please glance at the clock right now and make plans to join us again for another edition of Jesus Is Real Radio.